today, we're in uh, starting a series through the Sermon on the Mount, and this morning we're going to begin at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. And our focus this morning is that where do we get happiness from? The Beatitudes, where happiness comes from. And today, happiness comes through brokenness and forgiveness. Happiness comes through brokenness and forgiveness. We'll be reading in Matthew chapter 5 in just a minute, so please turn there. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, there was a unanimous declaration of the 13 states of America. What was that declaration? The Declaration of Independence. Paragraph 2 of that Declaration of Independence says these words, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Okay, I'm going to break it off right there. From the origin of our country, one of the great hopes for America is that the government would bring happiness to the people. How's that working? Uh, that part of the American dream hasn't worked quite so well. So we, if we can't find happiness through the government, where can we find it? Well, throughout history, and even this past week, people have been seeking happiness through power, fame, sex, money, alcohol or drugs, relationships, through religious activity, through big houses, fancy cars, big boats, high-tech toys, motorcycles, health, and fitness. Oh, people look for happiness. I think there's even an old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. People are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Most studies on happiness tell you there's two things you need to do. The first is you need to invest in yourself. So you're going to uh, eat healthfully, you're going to exercise regularly, you're going to sleep well, uh, you're going to have a PMA, a positive mental attitude. Now just pause for a moment. Let's do that. Ready? Wasn't that, wasn't that great? Okay. Uh, others say, no, what you need to do is not just invest in yourself, invest in other people. You need to volunteer. You need to get engaged in your community. Jesus takes this worldwide pursuit of happiness that every person has within them, and he stands it on his head, on its head. Jesus says, Matthew 5, seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So uh, there was a lot of people out there, and what he would do is, in that culture, he'd go up a little bit on the hill, and then he would sit down, and then he would speak to the people down the hill. And so the sound would carry down to them, and he would just be sitting up on the hill, and his disciples would come closer to him. They would be the closest ones to Jesus. And then the crowds would still be gathered around. So 
in this passage, it's like he's teaching his disciples, but he's okay if everybody hears and follows the message. How many of you have ever been to a wedding? Not, not your own, but any wedding. But uh, if you're at a wedding, the speaker or whoever's doing the wedding, for part of the wedding, he speaks to the bride and groom. Some people call this the marriage charge. Some people just call it part of the service. But he speaks to the wedding couple, but everybody in the whole place can hear. It's vitally important that the married couple follows that instruction, but it's okay if everybody does. That's what's going on here. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and they better pay attention and follow this. But if everybody else does, that's great. So his disciples come to him. This is not a private session, disciples behind closed doors. There's mobs of people gathered around on the hillside. And that's why this is called the Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus was up on the hillside. It's called the Beatitudes, because that's the Latin, and, and that it's, we're supposed to be following. We're supposed to blessed and happy and fulfilled in Christ. Jesus opened his mouth, and taught them, saying. Now this morning we're going to just look at the first two. So read it with me, would you please? Verses 3 and 4. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now almost every cons- um, commentary and theologian says the mourn there is not just feeling bad or having a pity party. It's mourning over your sinfulness in the context of what Jesus says here and in other places. You are blessed, Jesus said. You are happy if and only if you are poor in spirit. You are blessed. You are happy if and only if you mourn over your sinfulness. Isaiah said, the man God respects is the one who has a poor and contrite spirit and who trembles at God's word. The apostle John said, if we confess our sins, Jesus and God will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Uh, the The apostle Paul said in Romans 3.10, There is none righteous. No, not one. None. I don't want you to turn to it because you get a little goofy when you do that. But you could turn to someone else and say, you're not righteous. But here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to say it to you and then you say it back to me. You're not righteous. There's none righteous. All have sin. You have sin. And I have sinned. That's right. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Apostle John said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. In Romans 7, Paul shared his own testimony of his own battle with sin. 
And he went on for several verses describing the difficulties he sometimes had when he wanted to do something and then he didn't get it done and, and he wanted to avoid something and he found himself doing it and he talked about this turmoil and this struggle and he concludes that argument, that dialogue with these words, Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Do you feel the wretchedness of sin? The Apostle Paul recognized he was poor in spirit. He would describe this to the people in Ephesus and in Colossae, to those believers. He would describe this as being dead in trespasses and sins. He mourned over his sin. But we didn't stay there. You can change. Uh, you have hope for happiness if you turn from your sin, recognize it as sin, and reject it and move away from it. To feel the wretchedness of it and then turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are delivered through Christ. There's two qualifications here for happiness, for that sense of blessedness. First, you need to be poor in spirit. And secondly, you need to be mourning over sin. But there's two promises. The first promise, uh, blessed are those that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, if you're here this morning, and I hope you're here if you're here, you know what I'm saying? But if you're here this morning, and, then, and you have asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you have sincerely trusted Him as Savior to follow Him, and He has forgiven all of your sin, then right now, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now, it doesn't matter where you did this. It doesn't matter when you did this. It doesn't matter where you came from. We have people in this room who were born in different countries, but they now live here, and they follow the Lord here. What matters is that you ask the Lord to forgive your sins and be your Savior and genuinely trust in Him, then now you belong to the kingdom of heaven. So, if I walked up here this morning and stepped up here and laid my Bible down and said, Greetings, earthling. I come as an ambassador of heaven. It would sound a little weird, but it would be true. We have citizenship in heaven. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said he would go and prepare a place for his disciples. He's preparing a place for you if you have trusted him as Savior. Peter said, your inheritance would not fade away. It would not perish. It was guaranteed by God. But don't get cocky. Just because you're a citizen of heaven doesn't mean you can do whatever you want on earth. You still need daily repentance to keep you aligned by God, aligned with God. So imagine you're driving down the road 
And you're going down the road, and you realize you just passed where you wanted to be. So you, what do you need to do? Make a U-turn. A legal and safe U-turn, please. And you make that U-turn. That's a change of direction. That's kind of what repentance is. You're following your own way, and then you turn to follow the Lord. Now, once you've made that U-turn, do you just let go of the wheel and enjoy the ride? I've seen some of you. It looks like that's what you do. No. No, what do you do? You, you steer have to, still have to steer. You still have to guide the car. That's kind of the daily repentance that we go through. The big repentance is trusting Christ as your Savior. But once you've made that U-turn and now you're going the right direction, you still got to keep your car in the lane. You still got to be safe. And so there's daily correction. Now the first promise, there's is the kingdom of heaven. Notice the tense of that. It already exists. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, if you recognized you were poor in spirit and you asked Christ to be your Savior, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. But if you thought you were so good, God would accept you because you're so nice and so sweet and so good looking and so kind and give so much money to charity that God would accept you, yours is not the kingdom of heaven. So the second part, blessed are those that mourn over their sinfulness, they shall be comforted. You notice the difference in the verb tense? There's is the kingdom of heaven, they shall be comforted. One is present tense, this is a right now. One of the commentators said, this is the nowness of it. But there's also a not yet of it. The nowness, yours is the kingdom of heaven. The not yet is the comforting. Life on earth can be painful. It can be difficult. It can weigh you down. Now, I listened to Meredith's testimony about uh, the Good News Club and, and uh, thank, thankful to those who served in that Good News Club and uh, some folks in the church who gave money toward that. Through the money that was given toward that, we were able to buy Bibles for every single one of those kids, and, and we were able to teach them and do special things with them, and that's pretty cool that we were able to do that. We saw some kids saved. We saw some kids being discipled. We saw their parents being impacted, the school being impacted. This was big, and this was really good. But I also know there were some Mondays when Meredith walked back from the school to her house, probably kind of like this except she was probably carrying a bunch of stuff or dragging a cart behind her. Just dragging. And when she got home, some days, she probably just wanted to sit down. But there's a joy in serving Christ. Part of that joy we have now, and part of that joy comes later. So... Even though we have repented of our sins, we still suffer with the consequences of those sins. I have met with people in prison, talked with them, I've seen them trust Christ, and then they're still in jail. They can't go to the warden and say, I've trusted Jesus Christ. Oh, great. Prison sentence commuted. You're free to go. Every prisoner would say they trusted Christ. That doesn't happen. 
You're still plagued with it. If before Christ you were a chronic liar, guess what happens after you have trusted Christ? You still struggle to tell the truth. If before you trusted Christ, you were a thief, after you trust Christ, you still have that temptation inside you because we still live in this flesh. So it doesn't take all the problems away. But see, brokenness and forgiveness are the foundations of happiness. Happiness comes through brokenness and forgiveness. So you are, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the now, and the not yet is the comforted. Sometimes you get some comfort in this life, and sometimes some of that comfort does not happen till the life to come. I like... Uh, Bruce Barton wrote uh, the opposites of the Beatitudes. Here's what he said. We can understand the Beatitudes by looking at them from their opposites. Some, Jesus implied, will not be blessed. Their condition could be described this way, and he calls these the un-Beatitudes. Wretched are the spiritually self-sufficient, for theirs is the kingdom of hell. When I was in high school, I was not a Christian. And our teacher assigned us to do uh, a report. And we had three weeks to study in the library and build this report and then do a presentation to the class of some future thing that we had studied. And I got wildly excited about it. And I studied electromagnetic levitation and ferromagnetic flight. And it was just wild. It's the bullet trains. And, man, I, I love studying that, seeing that, how the math worked and the science worked of those trains shooting along. They're not really touching anything. They're floating, hovering, and zooming along. It was amazing. And I, I gave a presentation to the class. I was so excited. I was probably spitting on the first three rows. And, and then later, every kid in the class had to give a presentation, and I happened to go first. And, and then later on, this girl got up and gave a presentation. She was a quiet, timid person. She never spoke out in class. I honestly had known her, seen her, but I didn't know what her voice was like until she stood up in class that day because we were not friends. She thought I was scary, and she was right. But she got up, and she talked about the judgment of God and the great day coming when those who know the Lord get to go to heaven and those who've rejected Christ end up in hell. And I sat there stunned. Now, most of the people in school knew that my dad was a licensed minister. He wasn't a pastor, but he served at, at church for a time and did a lot of stuff at church. And, and they knew I was raised in a Christian home. And so when the girl was done with her presentation, some of the kids got really upset. And some of them turned to me and said, is that what the Bible really says? And what was my answer? Yes. yes. I knew what the Bible said. I just hadn't trusted Christ. And this other girl started yelling. She actually almost had to have security remove her from the room 
yelling at this poor girl who was up front about what a mean and vicious God that if you didn't believe in him, he'd throw you in hell. She didn't even want to believe in a God like that. It's been 40 years. I don't know the, what happened to those. I hope the one who stood for Christ still stands for Christ today. And I hope to tell her in heaven, she impacted my life. Amen. And the other girl, oh, I hope her heart has changed. Because if it has not, theirs is the kingdom of hell. Until you admit your sinfulness, confess your sins to God and ask his forgiveness, you don't stand a chance. Because everybody's going to stand before the Lord, the one who knows everything, the one who knows your thoughts before you think them, who knows all inside of you, the one who can read your heart easier than you can read a book. And you're going to stand and give account to him and he's going to look in his book and there's going to be a record of whether you trusted Christ or rejected Christ. And if you rejected Christ, you will be a most wretched person for the rest of eternity. Wretched are the spiritually self-sufficient. For theirs is the kingdom of hell. The second one, his unbeatitude. Wretched are those who deny the tragedy of their sinfulness, for they will be miserable. Unless, of course, they repent and are fully restored to the Lord. Repentance is just as needed for someone who's lost and has never trusted Christ. It's just as needed for someone who's been walking with the Lord for 40 years. It's just as needed. The repentance of the lost person is that big change of direction. I'm going the wrong direction. I make a U-turn. And now I trust Christ and I choose to follow Christ. If you have done that, then the repentance you need to do is just little adjustments to keep you going on the right path so you don't stray. Because we live on earth and earth has two different kinds of gravity. The first is the physical gravity, and that's what holds you down. So that no matter how much weight you lose, you will never lose enough weight. You start floating. <laughs> totally cool, but wouldn't happen. Abraham Lincoln, somebody commented to him on how long his legs were, and he said, why, if they were any shorter, my feet would not reach the ground. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. On this earth, there's two kinds of gravity. The physical gravity that we can mathematically and scientifically measure, calculate, and understand. But there's a spiritual gravity too. And we are drawn away. We are pulled down when God wants us toward heaven. One of the illustrations in Scripture is of a boat at the dock. And he's saying, make it fast, make it sure, lest you drift away. Because if you pull the boat up to the dock and you don't tie it off, the waves come and what happens? That boat gradually drifts away. How many of you have ever been on a raft in the ocean and fallen asleep? Anybody experience that? I never have. But I've had a friend that has done that. They fell asleep. And when they got back, 
they looked like a lobster, but they also were exhausted because they were drifting out to sea. Uh, a writer that I like, <laughs> he and his wife were out there, and they were just paddling around. They were snorkeling, and they're just checking out this coral reef and everything. And then they get up, and they realize the current has shifted, and they're being swept out to sea. He said they grabbed their boogie boards and kicked and kicked and kicked for over an hour. And when they got to the beach, they just flopped out there. They were exhausted because of the drift. And the gravity on earth that's physical pulls you down to the earth, the gravity that's spiritual pulls you away from God and you can drift away. So you need to constantly be repenting and making corrections and adjustments in your life. God even tells us not only this is what happiness can be, the requirements for happiness, but he tells us how we can position ourselves to enjoy a life of happiness. So when you first learn to drive, you have to, it's hard to keep yourself in the lane, right? It doesn't feel centered. In fact, the, if any of you have ever driven a small car and then stepped into a big car, it's a huge difference. You get used to that small car. You can stick your elbow out this window and your hand out that window and you're cruising down the road and then you drive a van and that seems huge and you're afraid to back it up. And I, the first car Kathy and I had had a back window ledge and to back it up you could just turn around and, and you could see the bumper while you were backing it up. I never hit anything backing up in that car. I have in a van. But Jesus said, here's how you position yourself to a life of blessing. Blessed, happy, are the poor in spirit. Somebody said, you have to file spiritual bankruptcy. Blessed, happy, are those who mourn over their sin. So why would being poor in spirit and feeling kind of beat down, and why would mourning over your sin, why would that be happy? Because the result that comes. Because when you mourn over your sin, then you can turn away from it. If you don't mourn over it, it just hangs on. And you can love Christ and enjoy Christ, but if you don't mourn and reject that sin, that sin is going to hang on in your life over time. So Jesus separates the crowds who want health and wealth in the here and now. That's what most of the people did. Even the ones who were following Jesus. Jesus said, you're following me so you can get a good meal. How many of you enjoy a free meal? It tastes better when somebody else is buying, doesn't it? I, I, I've noticed that. Um, I give my dad that blessing to buy my meals frequently, just so he's blessed. And oh. But listen, there are people, they want the here and now. Health and wealth in the here and now. And Jesus separates those people. So remember, the disciples are right with him, and hopefully... 11 out of 12 are spiritually with them too. We know Judas was not.
But hopefully the other 11 were spiritually with him, not just physically with him. But there's all that crowd out there. And some of that people in that crowd, they didn't want to hear this message. They wanted Jesus to be the conquering king to bring the glory days of Israel. But Jesus separates that crowd, the health and wealth and the here and now, from the disciples who are willing to deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow him. Part of the blessing is now. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Part of the blessing is not yet. They shall be comforted. But all of the blessings are based on the connection you have to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting Him as Savior and following His path. Happiness comes through brokenness and forgiveness. Because brokenness and forgiveness leads to, to repentance and restoration. Brokenness and repentance leads to uh, Brokenness and forgiveness lead to repentance and restoration. You can't be right with God without those two things. But when you have those in your life, you can be blessed. Now in your bulletin, there is a little connect card. It's one side for... Uh, first time guests here and the back side for everybody. Um, on the back side, it says share a praise or prayer request. And also, I would like an idea of someone I can help this week for our ministry, ministering focus. So I want you to look at that, and I want you to think of how you can help somebody this week. But I want, I want you to do two things. If you need help, somebody to assign you a way you can minister to somebody this week, uh, Megan and Benjamin can get that information for you and help you find somebody and, and be a help to somebody. But there's blank space on this, okay? What I'd like you to do on this blank space, don't share it with anybody, don't show it to anybody. Just write down if there's something in your life that you're struggling with, that you are not honoring God in, that you're not being blessed and happy in. If there's something in your life there, I want you to write it down. And if you want me to encourage you, counsel with you, pray for you, you can put your name on there, write it down, fold it in half, don't give it to anybody else, hand it to me, I'll put it in my pocket. Don't sneak up and try and put it in my pocket, that freaks me out. But hand it to me and I'll put it in my pocket. But if there's something that you want, see... You can't be happy if you're content to be drawn by the gravity of this world. The happiness comes when you mourn over your sinfulness. When there's an ache of this thing that you have allowed in your life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're dating or chasing after somebody you shouldn't be because they're not a Christian or maybe they are a Christian but they're not really following the Lord. Maybe you're a Christian and you're married and you're attracted to somebody you're not married to. That, those are sins that are going to destroy your life. 
So, we have to look at sin the way God looks at sin. The ugliness, the painfulness, the, the darkness of that sin. And we need to turn away. So, if there's something going on you need to deal with, write it down. You don't have to give it to me. You can write it down and keep it for yourself and really focus on it. But if you don't get serious, you won't be happy. You are blessed if you recognize your spiritual poverty and through brokenness you come to Christ and receive his forgiveness. You are blessed if you mourn and turn away from your sinfulness. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn. So if you, those would come, we're going to sing, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. He loves you. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light from being lost to being found and saved, from following the world and Satan to following our Savior. He wants to transform your heart and life. He wants you to live in heaven with Him someday. He's gone to prepare a place in advance for you. So, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, during this song, why don't you step out and come down here to the front you say, that'd be awkward. Now, living in sin is awkward. Coming forward is joyful to make a commitment to receive Christ as your Savior. Come forward. We have people who'd love to show you how to be saved. Let's sing. Mm -hmm.